from WGDR in Plainfield and WGDH in Hardwick. This is the Magical Mystery Tour. And in this moment, we are perfect, perfect. 
everybody welcome to the magical mystery tour my guest this morning is miles shirts back again we're going to be talking about conscious communication and inviting listeners just like you to call in and join us with difficult conversations that you may be having in your life that you're perhaps you don't know how to deal with. Perhaps you're, you find yourself up against uh, the, one of those challenges where you're, you're in a s- sticky situation with somebody and you just 
feel like you're boxed in with no way out. And, and that's what Miles is here for. This is his area of expertise. He's been doing this for many years. And he has very kindly and generously offered to come in and, and offer his, his sagely advice in the realm of communication to help make this a more gentle and creative and um, fun process. Because sometimes communication with, with other people can be very, very challenging, very, very difficult. Personally, I can say I've, I've been going through a, some of that very recently, just in the last week or two. Very difficult communication challenges with, with people. And if you've lived on this planet with other human beings, I'm sure you've had many experiences like that yourself. So, Miles, good morning. Good morning, Tonio. It's good, it's good to be back. Uh, maybe a, a quick introduction to me for listeners that um, haven't heard me before. Um, so I live, my name is Miles Schertz. I live up in the Northeast Kingdom in Stannard, Vermont, north of Hardwick. And I own and manage the um, Sky Meadow Retreat Center with, with my wife and family. And I have authored a book called Conscious Communication. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning is how to use communication skills in everyday relationship situations. And we're hoping to get um, some live examples from you listeners. So if, if anything in this morning's show um, sounds familiar to you or prompts you to think of a situation in your life or you would just like to get a new perspective on something, an, uh, an issue you're dealing with in a relationship, um, please call in and we will, um, as much as possible, maintain confidentiality. You don't have to mention names. Um, this is a small radio station serving a small community, so we want to be sensitive to that. But we also want to make this show um, lively and real. So um, please let us know if you have a specific example and you want to see how, how something like conscious communication might apply. And we'll learn more about the process of how com conscious communication can work for you just by engaging in this process directly. And we already have a caller. So Hi, Tonio. Hi, Will. Good morning. I went to a workshop that Will did at the uh, Hunger Mountain Co-op a number of Miles. Years. Miles. Sorry, Miles. I'm so bad about names. <laughs> That's fine. We know that. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was a very good workshop, and I purchased... I maybe the book came with a workshop. I can't remember. I, I can't say that the approaches used or recommended worked with my particular family. However, I was thinking um, of sharing um, what I think oftentimes needs to be part of the process when it's not possible to work out communication and, and one's feeling wounded, um, betrayed by friends or family or whatever that they had felt trust in. Um, I recently went down to my mom's former house, which is now owned by my sister. And my sister uh, was very eager that I take a particular, very beautiful kind of jade-colored large jar. And when I got it home, I realized it, it had this lovely gold d design on the outside of it. And I, when I got home, I realized it was cracked all over. And my thought of using it for cookies just seemed like not very wise anymore. And so I thought of different woundings I had experienced um, over the past several years, and I decided 
thinking, you know, that if I had passed away, I just wouldn't care anymore, that I would take their names and write them on a piece of paper, maybe write whatever it was that was still troubling, if anything was, and then just put it in the jar and bury it and just do something symbolic to let myself be able to move forward mm. and uh, give up the hurt that had been um, part of my life. Well, that's that's beautiful. Um, my my quick response to that is that uh, you know my my focus is dealing with conflict and how to communicate uh, with someone when they've hurt your feelings or there's been a sense of betrayal. And what you're talking about is um, a really important part of a process, any process of reconciliation or as I like to put it, staying connected with people even when you have differences or hurt feelings. And it's um, commonly known as forgiveness or <laughs> allowance. Um, it's something that I struggle with personally, I think a lot of us do, is you know, how, how do we do that? Um, in my work, I like to make a really clear distinction between forgiveness and allowance, which is what you're talking about, is is letting go of the hurt, is forgiving the person. Um, one, one way that helps me to do that is to remember that um, most likely they didn't intend to hurt my feelings, that that wasn't on their agenda, <laughs> and that wasn't what they were trying to do. Um, so letting it go, and, and as you mentioned, the beautiful concept, put, putting them, writing them down, putting them in your jar, and burying them. Um, I've heard of burning them. Um, whether, however we do it, letting go at some point is the aim. It's the final way that we've come to peace with ourselves. And my work is about helping people distinguish between a real letting go and what's also quite common in our, in our society is avoidance and denial, which is, I'm not hurt. That didn't hurt my feelings. I'm not angry. <laughs> or whatever. Or whatever. 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 Who cares? Um, if that's genuine, if you feel it in your heart and it's genuine, then that's always the best resolution. And, and ultimately, as I said, that, that is the resolution in the end is letting go. Where the skills that I teach come into play is when you've tried letting go and you're not succeeding... Um, and some of the signals are when you're around that person, you're feeling very tense and uncomfortable, even after days. Um, you're, you're, you wake up at night thinking about it. You go to sleep and you wake up the next morning thinking about it. So those are signals that it's not going away. And if my experience is that if you don't communicate in some way with the other person, the problem's not going to change. And that's I think, where... I think one of... I mean, I actually did reach out to my brother who had assaulted me um, multiple times, hmm. um, and uh, um, in fact, I talked it over with my mom, and I said, you know, what do you think about me talking to Gary, and um, I did reach out to him, and she was dying, and he said he was uninterested in talking, yeah. and that, you know, I had already gone through a lot of grieving about the sadness of treatment, and, and it really, I think at some point there may be people who, um, you may have done a good process, and you may have um, concluded that you're willing to go forward. And at some point, if the person on the other side isn't, it's also important to let yourself say, okay, I'm done. Yep. Where do I go from here? Yep. And how do I um, move forward without being, continue to be entangled in this, these angry, disappointed, sad feelings? 
Yeah. Especially when there is no possibility of resolution. Yeah. I, I, that, I think, is part of the process, too. Anyway, I'll hang up. I just wanted to... Thank you. Um, I was so glad that... I was actually kind of glad that the jar was broken, because it gave me a chance to think of a different use for it. <laughs> but it was such a great metaphor, too. Yeah, so let's remember that. What a great idea. Take a jar, um, put put your grievances in the jar, and bury it. And I would just not say grievances. I think, uh, for me... A lot of it was sadness, sadness. And just a feeling of, of just betrayal and sadness. Mm. And it wasn't, wasn't so much a grievance as, as how could this be happening? Yeah. And, and um, you know, maybe there are things I could have done differently at some point. But um, at some point, you can't let that sadness um, continue to be the thread of your days. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. bye. Yeah, bye. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> So, we'd love to have all of you call in with your difficult conversations, your difficult communication challenges by calling us at 454-7762 or 800-646-9437. Maybe I could just finish... um the, the little introduction I was giving, I think it's important. So my, my work is, um, I'm trained as a professional mediator. I was trained at Woodbury College in Montpelier when it used to be here. And um, I did, I, I got my first experiences in conflict resolution as a professional doing divorce and family mediation. So I mediated between uh, parents and teenagers, and then I did a lot of work between couples who were divorcing, particularly if they had children, uh, financial issues. And now I don't do that work as much. I focus on teaching people communication skills that would enable them, each of us, to deal with the everyday conflicts in our life. And I work with couples who are um, wanting to improve their relationship or stay together when, when things are becoming difficult. Um, I was interviewed many years ago when I started my mediation practice by the Hardwick Gazette, the local paper up in up in the Northeast Kingdom, and the interviewer, the um, journalist, said to me, "So <clears throat> you must be a mediator because you're so calm." Apparently, she perceived me as calm in that moment, <laughs> and, and it struck me as as really interesting. And I laughed out loud, and I said, "No, no, <clears throat> I chose to become uh, learn about conflict resolution and." become a mediator because I have so much conflict in my life. And um, what I've understood about a field, an expertise, um, an area of interest is that I, I got into it because I really wanted to learn it. And I teach it and talk about it and write about it because I think it's so important for me personally, um, and I, I judge perhaps for other people, to learn some skills for dealing with the everyday conflicts in our life and uh, I'm still very much learning this, uh, these skills, and my writing about it and talking about it and teaching about it is a way for me to uh, continue to learn, to keep it fresh and alive in my mind. So <clears throat> I'm not, um, I've done a lot of thinking about it, I've done a lot of teaching about it. I may have some ideas if you call in with a specific example, um, but it, nobody's... Um, perfected this and I think it's really important to state that this is a this is a life learning um, sort of a track 
how how do we approach difficult conversations? How do we approach other people that we care about, but who have said or done something that's hurt us or be or we felt betrayed by? Um, and the last caller, you know, mentioned a, a different approach than I'll be talking about today, but very important to keep in mind, which is coming to peace with it within yourself. If if you've tried resolving it with the other person and they're not willing or interested, and that's quite common um, experience, how do you how do you then resolve it? And the last caller gave us the beautiful image of a of a jar and putting notes in the jar. Uh, and then letting go, burying it. Life is challenging. Life is challenging. <laughs> and then when we mix in the challenges of human relationships, particularly the people that we deal with on a regular basis, whether it's our intimate partners, family members, work, work relationships, and anything else that might arise in our lives, and inevitably... All sorts of things do manage to arise in our lives, <laughs> and hopefully today we'll get we'll get um, some juicy live examples. So if you have one, if you're thinking of something, please call us. Um, Again, that number is eight hundred six four six nine four three seven. And meanwhile, <clears throat> I'm just going to read a short couple short passages if we have time from the book that I wrote. The book is called Conscious Communication. <clears throat> you find it on Amazon.com. You can get it on our website, um, SkyMeadowRetreat.com. And you can also find it at the Hunger Mountain Food Co-op. So here's a short introduction. While our society has made impressive advances in technology that enable a level of material comfort unthinkable to our ancestors... Our way of relating to each other has not changed much since the Stone Age. Most of us rely on our instincts of fight or flight when we feel threatened and still believe that attacking or withdrawing will resolve our conflicts with other people. Yet withdrawing from other people or forcefully trying to get them to change doesn't work. And we can see the tragic result of our lack of relationship skills all around us today, from the epidemic of divorce to the frequent outbreaks of war throughout the world. With more than six billion of us now sharing the resources of our small planet, tensions between people can only increase, and our inability to cooperate with each other may be the largest threat we face to our survival as a species. In an age of nuclear weapons, global climate change, massive environmental pollution, and a worldwide economy, it's clear that the actions of each one of us affect everyone else here on Earth. Given the condition of our world and the consequences of perpetuating conflict, our reliance on primitive survival instincts to manage our relationships makes no sense. If we continue to choose competition over cooperation, we ensure our own eventual demise. So again, the phone number to join us, and we would love for you to join us, is 800-646-9437. You can also call the local number, 454-7762. Do you have another passage that you want to read? Sure. Yeah, okay. let me just follow that up. I have two more paragraphs here kind of bring things into focus. <clears throat> in order to be effective in relating to each other, we have to get beyond setting up conflicts as right against wrong and recognize that winning is not the same as having our needs met. 
life is not a competition and we don't find peace or satisfaction by getting our way over other people. Yet we can't change such a fundamental habit by merely adopting new ideals of peaceful cooperation. It's only when we see for ourselves that being right does not make us happy that we naturally let go of competing and focus instead on finding what we really want. Conscious communication will teach you how to address your differences directly while maintaining your sense of connection. These tools enable you to listen to other people without becoming defensive or trying to fix their problem and to be honest about your feelings and needs without blaming someone else or making them responsible. That point about defensiveness, it, in my experience, I, f- I found it disturbingly <clears throat> common to find myself reacting defensively to p- things that people say or write. I, f- I experience it probably more in email because I can't see the person in front of me hmm. and there's that hmm. that old saying that 95 or is it 99 percent of all communication is nonverbal so we miss we're missing all the visual cues hmm. the physical cues and we have a caller welcome you're on the air yes hi Tonio uh, just enjoying the the guest um, Miles um, has been very helpful to me in my personal relationships, and I wanted to run something by him, which uh, involves someone that I, you know, care a lot about, but I haven't been able to really develop a, um, I would say, a sane connection with, that's my sister. Hmm. And uh, we go back many, many years um, where, you know, I was abusive to her when I was in my early early years seven eight nine ten i had some real problems so but that but those apologies don't seem to have held and she's she's really um she she doesn't feel like she needs to observe boundaries with me now Hmm. Um, and so i've tried you know various ways of distancing myself or creating some kind of uh you know a structure so that so that those boundaries, you know, they need to get observed, and uh, finally, I have to really distance myself because there was just this feeling on my part that there wasn't going to be any movement, hmm. and um, you know, now that I'm moving on in years, uh, sad to me just to let this. Uh, relationship go um, without really addressing the underlying. So, I mean, the question is: Do you do you feel like your process works through writing, as Sh- well as through, you know? In other words, is a bro- broaching the, the process through writing? Yeah, um, you know, one one of the uh, skills that I teach is called assertion, and it's about <clears throat> setting boundaries. Um, it's about setting a, a clear boundary without um, blaming or attacking the other person. So that's a that's an art form, <laughs> and I think it works very well in writing, especially when there's a situation like you're describing where um, there's been years of kind of 
communication that hasn't worked and your needs aren't getting met for for boundaries um, and in a sense what I hear is you've you've kind of let it go you've given up um, on it and so that writing might be a good beginning place whereas talking it might be a little too intense or too it might even get too confrontational so um, email texting uh, old-fashioned letter writing uh, I think is a very good way to begin so here's a let's try to um, if you're willing to to be a little more specific here what would you like to say to her and how would you say it well using some of the structure that i learned from you that you know i i feel very frustrated and angry with her when and also very um emotionally upset when she decides to and she'll tell me that I should do something with regard to my family or I should have some kind of a relationship. Uh, you know, I should be more um, this or that regarding my family. Yeah. But, but um, because, you know, she's my family. So she has this, um, this uh, presumption of, uh, of, 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 uh, License to tell me to tell know. tell you how to how to conduct your your business or your, yeah 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 and okay um, so let's just pause and identify what you just did you led you led with your emotion um, which is not what we normally do that's contrary to our instinct I, I mentioned in the reading a few minutes ago the survival instincts of fight or flight um, <clears throat> when someone's hurt our feelings or upset us we typically withdraw get away from that person we see them as as trying to hurt us and we want space from them or we attack them um, so your example just now you you led with a feeling I feel frustrated I feel hurt I feel upset I think were some of the feelings you mentioned and mm -hmm. Um, that does two things. It it leads with a kind of vulnerability. You're being honest, so it's it's not um, it's not withdrawal or avoidance. You're being honest and direct, but you're leading with an uh, with an emotion, and it allows the other person to see if they if they are willing and able to see that you're vulnerable, that you have feelings, that you can be hurt, and. Um, that's the key to this. That's the key to making this shift is <clears throat> leading with um, a genuine real-time experience. And then you connected that to something she's doing, her behavior, and you did it in a way that didn't automatically blame her or make her wrong. You said, you know, when you uh, tell me what to do in terms of my relationships with my family, when you tell me I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. So it's often helpful also to really directly quote the person so they know what you're talking about. But the key there is that you're not making a story. You're not blaming them and you're not building up a, you know, you did this and you did that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what you just did. And that's designed for the other person to hear you. And whether she can hear you or not, is really nobody knows that so the the idea here is to give that a try and to know that you're both taking care of yourself by communicating that you're acknowledging to yourself how you're feeling and what's causing the emotional response so that you can take care of yourself regardless of what she does and you're giving her a chance to understand you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that makes sense yeah, I mean, it makes more than sense. It it um, it feels right. 
Well, and so, that's that's a key to this um, kind of communication is that you can leave a conversation feeling okay. <laughs> when, yeah. when we when we blast somebody, there's a moment in the moment it can feel sort of satisfying because we get to be right and we make them wrong and we get this release, this emotional release. But afterwards, I know when I do that, when I when I go with too much force, and especially there's blame and judgment of the other person, I feel terrible afterwards. Um, so this this way of communicating allows you to be honest and also feel good. And I would encourage you to write it. Put put it. I don't know what your your best way of communicating with her is, but put it in an email, and um, and then see see what comes back. See, yeah. see see how she responds. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you've um, written about on this subject of writing? Uh, not, or, not, or do you feel like they're both uh, compatible? Complement? You know, at least. Um, you know, not, um, you know, because the book talks about actual one-on-one. Uh, well, th- this is one-on-one. And the, you know, the only difference between writing and speaking with someone in person, I generally encourage people to be in person because Tonio mentioned, you know, the idea of body language and seeing how the other person's reacting. Um, however, that's not often possible. And... In some cases, it's not even desirable. If if it's really loaded, if it's if it's and I think what you're describing might qualify. It's a, a lot of history. Um, you know, family can often be like that. Uh, writing is a great way to start the conversation, and it just the the main difference is that everything is much slower, which in some ways is good. <laughs> um, and in the book, you're you're asking, is there, you know, have I written anything? Is there a um, recipe for this? In the book Conscious Communication, the chapters on assertion outline how to write a message. And in fact, I recommend that people write it down on a piece of paper before they verbalize it. And in your case, uh, you could just send what you wrote. So okay. the, the script for writing it is in the chapters on assertion, and, and uh, yeah. you already got it. You know, you got the first two parts, and that's yeah. enough yeah. to get a conversation going. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, just to finish this, um, that's seems to be the way in which most of my um, peers now and many of the people who are more digital natives work, they, they don't seem to be using anything else but writing <laughs> That's right. or texting. That's right. That's and right. there doesn't seem to be much on this. So thank you. Yep. Thank okay. you. Great example. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I just wanted to quickly add something that I that I do that just occurred to me and if I'm about to make a phone call or even send an email to somebody who I'm having challenges with and I'm reaching out what I like to do what I hopefully clearly remember to do is to think about what is my intention Mm. in reaching out to this Mm. person what am I hoping to achieve by it because when I Think about that and clarify that. That will that will diffuse any emotional tension mm. that I may have, and that I may inadvertently inject into the communication. Mm. Beautifully um, said. And and just to, to give an example or suggestion for an intention, um, I would I would make a case for the intention is to connect. The the intention of of conscious communication skills is to stay connected, to maintain the sense of connection, 
while you're dealing with conflict, while you're expressing something that's difficult for you. And that's where the, the dance, the art form comes in, is we, we don't know much about how to do that. It's a, it's a really foreign concept to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And that would work great if you don't have a clear sense of what your intention is in reaching out to them. Well, think about it. Um, the, the alternative to the intention being that I'm suggesting is just simply staying connected, feeling the connection. And we can talk more about that. But the alternative is to be right, usually. The most common uh, other intention is... And that's not a constructive intention. It doesn't get you very far. No. It, because when, when you approach it that way... It tends to be a zero-sum game where it makes the other person wrong, and the other person feels that immediately in the communication, and that short-circuits the whole thing. Yeah, what I like to say, and this is, this is classic uh, conflict resolution, comes with the mediation training, is that we ask, we ask people in mediation, would you rather be right or be happy? Would you rather be right or get your needs met? It's a great question, and it's something we all need to ask ourselves, because whether we, however... Uh, progressively minded and open-minded and loving we feel we think we are our brains are programmed to be right and that will kill the relationship and that's often we can get to be right but our our basic need for companionship for connection for belonging gets uh, destroyed Mm. can i make a suggestion about how to communicate that writing please uh you suggested sending an email i i I think one of the things that's happened in our culture is that we we don't put things on paper anymore. And when someone sees something in paper, you can see the handwriting. You can mm-hmm. choose a card. You can choose what's on the card. Uh, you can choose. Do you put something? What kind of what kind of label or what kind of handwritten thing do you put on the envelope, if anything, to say where it's coming from? Mm-hmm. And I think um, if you want to communicate something, um, it it makes sense to do it in a way that. Um, that's concrete and that can be beautiful. Hmm. Uh, I also, when Tony said he, you know, thinks about what's my intention. Sometimes I've written something when I've done an email and I put it in my drafts and just left it there. And I have drafts of things I wrote, you know, two years ago hmm. to my family. I never sent blissfully. Yeah. But, uh, but I do think that rather than sending an email, which can get deleted, if you send a card to somebody, they have to think about throwing it in the trash rather than just, Oh, I'm going to delete that. I, I hate my sister. Right, and I, even I if they do delete, I mean, throw it in the trash, they may return and take it out of the trash. <laughs> exactly, and, but if one chooses, um, even if you don't have pretty, I, I always seem to have pretty cards, but if you don't have a pretty card, then, you know, take some pretty paper or, or you know, cut out something for a magazine and make a pretty card and just take the time to think about the handwriting. Maybe write it ahead of time before you put it on the card because... You may want to change what you write, um, but that makes it that then it has your personal, your hand to the paper piece, mm-hmm. your handwriting to it, which mm-hmm. I think is another form of connection. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm hanging up again. Thank you. So she's she's making the the suggestion of the difference between a hand handwritten card or letter as opposed to electronically sent, and I think the the emphasis here is that it's it's more personal. Um, has more of your your personality in it in the handwriting, and it's something that people are more likely to consider, especially when the relationship might be um, tense enough or toxic enough that an email might just get thrown away. So, and I'm so glad she brought that up because I was actually thinking of of that myself because mm. there's something 
far more tangible about a, a handwritten letter or even a physical, but a handwritten letter is much better even than a typed letter. Mm. It's personal. It's something you actually have in your hand and you can read slowly. Mm. The tendency on the computer is there's so much stuff going on. We have such a long list of emails that we're trying to get through things that we, we often don't give the full attention that we need. Mm. And we may only read... And here's an experience that I've had endless times. The first reading of an email, I often only pick out certain points in it. And, mm. I, and I completely overlook other things. And mm. if I don't go back and read it again... I may have missed the most important thing that the other person mm. was meaning to communicate. Mm. And I find that happens so often. Mm. And so many conflicts arise out of this kind of misunderstanding that comes from moving too quickly through emails. Mm. Because often we have a long list of emails and, they, and as they m move down, they go are removed from our, our visual mm, sight mm. and we may even forget that, that they're there anymore. Sure. And emails are very problematic. I was just engaged in a uh, group email discussion that I just removed myself from because it, it was getting crazy. Mm. And the crazy part of it was that we didn't understand our intentions. There, was, there, was, there wasn't a clear meeting of the minds. Mm. I had entered into this discussion because I thought we were working towards a particular um, goal. There was a particular issue that we were working on. That was my mm. assumption going mm. into it. Mm. And everybody else seemed to be working in different directions and even against that particular thing. And it was blowing my mind. Mm. I was saying, what is going on here? <laughs> I couldn't make heads or tails of it. And it didn't occur to me to simply ask clearly, I thought we were working on this project. Why are you guys responding this way? Mm -hmm. So by not doing that, I was like, conf I was confused for a period of a couple of weeks and I didn't, I didn't realize what was going on, what the what the real dynamics were until I got into a one-on-one -on -one email conversation with one of the people, mm. the nicest person in the group. Mm. All the others were pretty tough cookies. <laughs> and this one person was really gentle and, and kind. And, and he just opened up and responded to my final email where I just said, I, I need to remove myself mm. and I wish you guys well. And mm. Mm. So let, let me jump in here, Tony, because you're. Um, I want to keep the focus on communication skills in in real life, and the the main skill we're talking about today, because we're talking about difficult conversations or and or conflict, is called assertion. It's how do you bring a difficult conversation to the table, and of course, one way to do that is in writing, handwritten, or email, or texting. Um, the focus of my work is often verbal, so. I'd like to bring it back to that. But you just mentioned a situation where you were having some tension, some a little bit of emotional charge around a group email process. And you said that you, it occurred to you to ask the question, you know, why are you writing like this? I thought our intention was this. That in and of itself is not an attacking statement. However, it contains, um, there's an edge to it. 
and it could be perceived as judgmental. As soon as you said that, that that was what you wanted to communicate, um, I thought, oh, let's get it. Let's get an emotion in there. And a moment later, you said on air just now, I was confused. Yeah. So, what this process, going back to the earlier caller and the situation that he gave us. If you remember one thing, just remember lead with an emotion. So what I would coach you to do in a situation like that is lead with, I feel confused. Mm -hmm. When I see a number of emails um, that, that don't seem to be addressing the topic I thought we were talking about because I'm not clear what people's intentions are. And what that does is it puts the problem on the table. These assertion messages are intended to initiate a conversation. They're not, it's not the end, there's no solution. It wouldn't be useful, I think, to lead with a solution, which is another thing we do. How about if we all do this, when people don't understand where you're coming from? So I feel confused is a really good beginning, and we don't think of it naturally because our conditioning is not to lead with our vulnerability. That doesn't make sense to our, our, our primitive warrior mind. <laughs> Especially when we're already either on the in in fight or flight mode. Exactly. Once you're feeling defensive, once you're and that happens as soon as there's an emotional charge. So that's really our dilemma here. And you know, I've written uh, sort of a, a, a treatise on these these beautiful, elegant sort of skills. But they don't. We can't apply them a lot. We have uh, most of us have extreme difficulty using them, and it's because our conditioning leads us immediately in the opposite direction. So as soon as I have an emotional charge, as soon as I'm upset, I immediately go into fight or flight mode. And the best way to think of any sort of a skill set is not a right way to communicate or a, even a, even a you know the good as opposed to the bad kind of communication. It's how do I interrupt my survival impulses long enough to bring some intelligence to the situation and and recognize what's more likely to work. If I lead with a judgment or a criticism, or I just withdraw from the situation, I we we all know enough to know those don't work. They lead us into, you know, greater and greater distance. And there's that wonderful old adage that doing the same thing over and over again <laughs> and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Insanity. <laughs> and that's where a lot of us find ourselves caught. So my, my work is really, I call it conscious communication because the essence of it is simply let's become more aware of what we're doing. Without, there's not, it wouldn't work to have a new agenda of this is right and this is wrong. That's missing the point. The agenda is let's pay attention and see what's working and what's not working. And I've just highlighted some of the things that are fairly obvious. If you approach a relationship from your survival instinct mode of fight or flight, you will damage that relationship. There's no, it's, it's a very simple equation. Or at the very least, you will delay the process of getting back to connection with that person. Exactly. And that's and and to be fair and honest, that's what we do, all of us. So a lot of this work is just 
beginning to consider a different way, and the communication skills are just simply to interrupt that habit, just something to get us to stop and pause and consider that this has not worked in the past, and it's probably not going to work now. So what else could I do? And the simple um, suggestion here, when you have an emotional charge about something that someone else has said or done, is lead with your feeling, I feel confused, I feel hurt. I feel scared. I feel sad. Those are simple, direct, and honest ways of starting a conversation. And you may need to go inside yourself and spend some time inside with yourself to clarify that within before you even begin to attempt to reach out to another person. Sure. This is, this is, a, this is work. Um, the, this is work that involves working on yourself and I like to just think of that as self-awareness being meaning that you you have to become aware when you are emotionally charged that ha- that has to co- show up on your radar for a lot of us it doesn't we're so used to being charged all the time or overriding our charges and when I work with people in conflict resolution or communication skills the first place I begin is asking people when you're upset where do you feel it in your body and when I ask that question, people will often pause, they'll think, and they'll say, oh, I, I feel tension in my jaw, or I, a common one is I feel a knot in my stomach, or I feel my heart beating fast, or I feel my shoulders tight. Those are the signals that you're emotionally charged, and all that means is that it's time to pause, it could be just for a moment, just for a few seconds, and tend to yourself, which could be as simple as taking a deep breath. <laughs> so we're not talking about co- complex um, systems here, but we're talking about a, a level of self-awareness that a lot of us, it doesn't come with our, with our training and conditioning, so it's something we have to learn. And we have a caller. Welcome. Hi, Tony and Miles. It's Eva. Hi, Eva. Hi, Eva. I have to apologize. I haven't heard the show because I've been on the road, and I'm now in a rest stop in New Hampshire. So, but I had a question I was thinking about. Sure. It has to do with honesty and, and mindful speech. Hmm. Um, I was thinking about an old friend. Um, I've had some difficult situations with a couple of times where she has asked me for loans of large amounts of money. Hmm. And we've ended up in very painful conversations. Hmm. Um, this is someone who spends money in a way that I wouldn't mm-hmm. and often ends up in financial difficulty. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking about it this morning, um, because I had just heard from her, I was thinking how much simpler it would have been if from the beginning I had said, I don't have it. Yeah. And I'm just wondering what you think about the whole question of honesty. Yeah. In communication, and whether there are times where being mindful might mean if the other person really can't understand, whether there are times when it makes more sense to, I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. is it lying? I don't know. It's such a wonderful question. When, When is a little white lie better more skillful than being totally honest. Than being totally honest. Great. Yeah, really, really good question, Eva. I'd like, if you can stay on for a moment, I'll, I'm going to ask you something. But let me just preface this by saying, um, 
you know where, where that comes to play in my work is if if you're someone wants to talk to you and you really have no interest in listening to them you're not it's not a relationship that you want to pursue um, and they're obviously needing some attention and you just simply don't want to give it to them now or ever it's not a relationship you want to pursue how do you respond to that honestly it's a very difficult dynamic and in that case I've done this a lot with my students in classes um, I, you know, you could be honest and say this isn't a relationship I want to pursue. For most of us, that's that's very difficult to do. So we come up with an excuse. Well, uh, not only is it very difficult to do, but in a way, by saying this isn't a relationship I want to pursue, you're pursuing the relationship. Good point. Because you're going to a level of intimacy that's, with them that often leads to exactly what you don't want to do with them. That's a good point. Um, I like to think that you're also setting a boundary, um, but you're right. To set a boundary like that, by being honest, you are opening up a, a level of intimacy. But let's go back to your example. Um, so I, sir, I would totally concur that in some, a, a, a very reasonable option for you might have been or might be now to say, I just don't have it. Um, I think what you're saying is that's not the truth. So, just for well, fun... Well, it wasn't at the time, yeah. It wasn't at the time. So, just for fun here, just to see where this could go, what could you say that would be the truth? Well, what I did say was, first, I just said I need some time to think about it. Okay. Because I didn't want to have to respond immediately. It yeah. made me too anxious. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I called her back and said, um, I understand how desperate you're feeling. I don't feel comfortable doing this. I don't feel it will be good for our relationship. Now that, I, I would highly um, support that. That's really honest and very direct. How did that go over? Not well at all. Okay. Okay. So here's the question. Do you hurt the relationship more... You know, the the question is, what's the consequence of the relationship? And what you're telling your friend is, no, you're setting a boundary, you're saying no, and you're being honest about why. You're saying, I don't feel comfortable doing this, and you're even adding, I don't think it'll be good for our relationship. So, if you're saying it didn't go over well, what I'm assuming is that she, he or she got very upset. Um, p people will get upset when, when you set a boundary. Most people will react, and some people will react stronger than others. Um, what I ask myself is, in the long run, what's healthier for the relationship? And my belief is that in, in the long run, generally speaking, it's more healthy to be honest, even if it um, causes the other person to react strongly in the moment. Think about it this way. She, some part of her may, may be able to recognize maybe at some point in the future, that you were being really honest with her and that that's preferable to either lying or just doing something that you don't feel comfortable with. In other words, going along with her just because she's she's um, asking you to. Right. Yeah, it happens, I think, for all of us in long-term relationships also that if you're aware that something's going on that might make your partner very anxious, Mm-hmm. You might not tell them about it. Yeah. Yeah. So and there again. There it is. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There it is. There it is. And that's a that's a dilemma that all of us, uh, you know, struggle with. When I teach the assertion skill, um, 
and I typically will t- in a class or workshop situation I'll give I'll give the participants um, the skill and then I'll ask them to think about a live scenario in their life and write a message for that person and then if uh, if there's a follow-up class um, the the assignment will be to go do it to go to go talk to that person and most students feel very uncomfortable um, yeah. they do it because it's an assignment and I have tremendous results on on the on the backside of that when people come back as reluctant as they were to give the message most people will say uh, this isn't going to work they're they're gonna they're just the other person's going to go ballistic on me and it's not going to work and then what I ask is what do you have to lose by trying so that's a good question to ask is if you don't um, if you're not honest if you don't bring up an issue that's bothering you what will the consequence be of not talking about it? If you well, that's why, you know, eventually why I hung in there with her and said some very hard things yeah. was because I knew that it was corrosive for me. Yeah. And that if I didn't, and actually, several years later, she did this again. Yeah. And at that point, I went a step further because I think I did feel somewhat guilty the first time. Yeah. Um... I mean, she was so desperate and so on and so forth. Um, and the second time, I told her that I felt that she was willing to jeopardize our relationship wow. by making these requests. Yeah. So, again... And that, you know, that made me angry. Yeah. So, uh, again, Eva, I, I totally support that level of communication. That's direct and honest without... Judgment, and that's the key. Um, d- direct honesty can can hurt the other person's feelings because they want you to say yes, and you're saying no. Um, but what we often do is add judgment to that. For example, you could say, "I'm not going to loan the, you this money because you're irresponsible." Um, and once we do that, that's what really hurts. None of us like to hear the judgments of our friends or family and we all have them but to verbalize them can i think that's what does the long-term damage so any way that you can be honest and not include judgments is in my mind is a really healthy direction to go Um, well i was very aware that i did have a lot of judgments about her lifestyle sure and then what happened as she pushed and pushed and said but i'll be able to pay it back soon and so on and so forth yeah that's when i spoke up and said listen you know, this kind of substantial loan, if you're saying that this is a business deal, then you're inviting me into your finances in a way that I don't think you want me in there. Good. <laughs> so far, Eva, all your responses have been on the on the level of what I would call healthy, um, effective communication because none of them contain judgments. So now, of you- course, you know, it... It damaged the relationship. Yeah. It's never been the same. Yeah. Um, and probably won't be. Okay, so when we set a boundary, we don't ever know how the other person's going to respond, and they may respond by withdrawing from the relationship. What you can know in your heart, or what I'll, I'd like to support you in, is that that communication can feel okay to you, clean, because it's not laced with your judgments. It's not tainted by your evaluation of her. You're talking about yourself. I don't think this is a good idea. You're in, If this is a business loan, you're inviting me into a part of your life. I don't think you want me there, and I don't feel comfortable being there. That's right. honest and direct, and it's talking about you. It's not talking about her as much. 
And that you can feel good about, even if she, in the end, withdraws from the relationship. And I've seen situations where the person will withdraw uh, because you've said no, and but eventually they'll come back around because some part of her may be able to recognize that you're not attacking her. You're just setting a boundary for yourself. She may not like that, and she may interpret right. that, she may take that personally, but what's good for you to know, and I think she could see eventually, is that it wasn't personal. You didn't make it personal about her. You know, what I'm realizing in talking to you is I think in some ways the person who hasn't been able to bounce back from this is me. You're the one holding on to it. N um, well, I guess there's the whole question of are there things that you shouldn't ask for? Okay. So when it happened the second time, given that she knew how hurtful it had been for us the first time. Yeah. I really did feel she was careless with our relationship. Yeah. And she never acknowledged that. Yeah. So that has, that has eroded things for me. Yeah. You know, one, one of the things I teach, and, and, and it applies to this skill we're talking about today called assertion. That's where, you know, you recognize, a person recognizes that you're emotionally charged, and you that you care enough about the relationship to bring it up, to put it on the table. And the assertion is a way to do that, and the simple way to begin is lead with an emotion. I feel hurt, I feel uncomfortable, <clears throat> I feel confused. The question is, um, you know, how, what, some people won't respond well to that. They will interpret that as you, if you don't go along with them, if you don't believe what they believe, or if you don't do what they want, they they will cut you off. They will cut off the relationship. And you don't have control over that. And what that's, what that's giving you in the moment is a sense that maybe the relationship can't go any further for the moment. Yes hard thing to accept and recognize and the skill set is designed to make that clear that this is as right. far as we can go for the moment so you know one thing I like to include when talking about these skills is that they're designed to facilitate deeper levels of intimacy we're not talking about um, I hesitate to use the word shallow or, or you know uh, superficial relationships um, we're not talking about just getting by. We're talking about meeting our need, which I think a lot of us have, mo all of us have, and a lot of us recognize now, for deepening connections, deepening relationships, heartfelt, where there is honesty and difficult things can be talked about. And the, and the point of bringing up an issue that's difficult and talking about it is that there's an opportunity to go deeper. If you never do that, so I grew up in a household where the, the norm in the, in the 50s in the United States was you never talk about it. Never, ever. Your feelings are hurt, you don't talk about it. You just smile and keep going. And you can do that. You, it, it's easier in some ways. You don't have these long, drawn-out conversations or difficult moments or, or people with feelings hurt even more. But you, what you lose is depth, intimacy, what I call real connections. And for a lot of us now, we want that. We're, we're, we're starving for that, in my judgment. So these skills are a way to head in that direction. And we're all learning you know, those of us that are interested in this, we're all learning how to do it. It's not, there, there isn't a recipe here, and we learn by making mistakes. So, 
And I think one of the things that you said that has helped me a lot of times when there's an encounter that I'm dreading yeah. is, is that asking myself, what have I got to lose? Because over enough lifetime now, what I see is that when I don't do it, the relationship dies anyway. Exactly. So... It'll go out with a bang or with a whimper, but <laughs> yes. or it might not go out. Or it might and not that's, go. That's the risk. To, you know, that's what your guys worth trying. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's a that was a great example. Thank you for that. I wish I could listen to more, but I have to get back on the road. All right, safe driving. Okay. Thank you, okay, Eva. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Magical Mystery Tour on WGDR Plainfield and WGDH Hardwick. My guest is Miles Schertz. He's a communications coach, a mediator, couples counselor, mediator extraordinaire. He lives in the local area in the Northeast Kingdom. He has a retreat center called Sky Meadow Retreat. SkyMeadowRetreat.com. It's so easy to take things personally, and then when we take things personally, we we have this this emotionally charged reaction, mm. fight or flight. Yeah. And there was I had this this other image that sometimes when we we avoid drawing healthy boundaries and avoid being really honest with a relationship that doesn't work, sometimes we are actually maintaining a relationship that isn't a relationship that we want. And I had this image of, mm. of actually carrying around a corpse of a relationship with us as we travel <laughs> through our lives with this person. Um, I'd, I'd like to um, offer some, some self-disclosure here about, about a conflict that I just had recently. It's come up a couple times in my thoughts during some of the, the callers' uh, questions and examples. Um, and I think it would it might be helpful to people both to realize that you know th- I, I'm still very much a student of these skills and that this is a kind of, kind of a scenario I think some of some of the listeners might be able to relate to. But so what happened is um, up at Sky Meadow, we my wife and family and I run a small retreat center. We have a our house and then next to it is a big old barn that we renovated and groups stay in it. And my mother and brother were coming up for Thanksgiving and. Um, we the question was you know do we use the house or do we heat up the uh, this big barn building for for my family and uh, because there was only two of them I was thinking well maybe we'd save some energy and just keep the fi- wood fire going in the house and not heat the barn and my wife was was pretty uh, insistent and clear she wanted to use the barn It'd be more comfortable for my mother who's eighty four and uh, it would just be a, a kind of a bigger space lighter. Um, to, to be in and so reluctantly I went along with that I wasn't very gracious about it and uh, in the end I totally c- agreed with her it was a good choice um, even though it used a lot more firewood we, we, we had a better space to be in um, and then she went shopping to prepare for the Thanksgiving meal that she was going to prepare and some other meals after that and um, at, came back with her groceries it was about four days before Thanksgiving before my family was due to arrive and she put them in the refrigerator in that building and turned it on, which normally we, we keep the refrigerator off. And I'm, I've been very focused at our homestead on uh, electricity usage and oil usage. And, and we've got solar panels now and 
solar hot water and wood fired hot water and wood fired heat and we're I'm really trying to minimize our use of um, utilities and her turning on the refrigerator four days ahead of time when we had another refrigerator um, in the next building just a you know half a minute walk away that was already on and had plenty of room really upset me I, I saw it as a waste of, of electricity unnecessary uh, and this is a case where uh, she held her ground, <clears throat> said, no, I, I really want to use this fridge. Um, her reasons made no sense to me. She said it, it was better, easier for her to organize. There wasn't much food in, in, in the fridge that she had just turned on and the food she just bought because we have a lot of food in our stores for the winter. Um, and I just couldn't see the sense of it. And I lost uh, perspective. And I, and I became very upset, emotionally charged, and really, um, uh, you know, was not gentle with her. I was, I was hard with her, um, stayed upset for a few days, uh, at some point had a really um, angry conversation with her in which I criticized her really unfairly. I was, I was mean-spirited mean um, and didn't see it until a few days later. Uh, and we had a long conversation, and she brought to my attention, um, number one, that it didn't feel good, what I'd done. Number two, that I do that uh, in other situations where I don't get my way, and I uh, react. And what she pointed out to me is that she's not um, blind about her energy usage, the way I was criticizing and judging her. I was I was judging that she didn't care about the environment, she didn't care about energy usage, and I was the one who had to pay attention to all that. I'm thinking this is a, a, a subject that might be, you know, close to the hearts of some of the listeners here. And in, and it was to me, you know, to me that was sort of a primary violation. That was a, a in my mind there was a right-wrong there. There was a, there was a value that you don't cross, that you don't if you can save electricity, you do it. If you can save a little energy here and there, you do it. You don't you don't mess around with that. This is the planet we're talking about. This is our environment we're talking about. And my wife pointed out to me. She said, "I make choices about where to where to use energy, and you make choices about where to use energy. I make choices about where to conserve, and you make choices about where to conserve." And my wife said to me, "I, d I don't want to be judged by you about the choices I make." I want you to trust me that I'm thinking about this. And she said, it would have been fine with me if you'd brought up the conversation, if you'd brought up the issue and said, I don't feel comfortable with the refrigerator on. But then when, when you heard that I, that this is my wife talking to me now, she said, when you heard that I had thought about it and I'd made a very conscious choice, even though I knew it was an extra use of energy, it, it would help me in the long run. She said, I want you to back off and trust me. Um, and that was a hard thing for me to do, but I've learned from that conversation and the, and the uh, afterthoughts um, that there was a situation where I was putting a value ahead of the relationship, and, it, and the relationship was, was um, hurt by my holding tight to that value. Mm. Sounds like we have a caller. Yeah, but I want to thank you for sharing that. that that's a beautiful, beautiful story. Mm. Welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Tony Owen Miles. It's Fred. Hi, Fred. Hey, Fred. Uh, when my wife, Sage, and I first got together, uh, we had difficulties, and uh, 
We were together for 25 years, and I'm not saying that we never had difficulties at the end, but we always had difficulties. But in the beginning, when she would do something that would get me riled up or vice versa, it would take us three or four days to finally resolve the issue. Mm. And But after a while, what I learned was little by little that when she did something that triggered me, the issue wasn't what she did. It was something going on inside of me. Mm. So when I started looking at myself, it would still take a day or two before I would go, oh, it's not about you, it's about me. <laughs> at the end, towards the end of our 25 years before she died, that process narrowed down to a couple of hours. Wow. <laughs> but it never happened instantly. It didn't go, oh, you did that, and oh, is that my stuff? No, it always took a little while yeah. before I recognized, hey, it's my stuff, not yours. Uh, thank you so much for that, Fred. It's um, first of all, it's encouraging to know that to hear from you about a significant long-term relationship and know that um, we we it can get better. You know, from going from a couple days to a couple hours is is huge um, in terms of the impact on the relationship and ourselves. Um, and I also appreciate you saying, you know, it never became instant. Um, I think of this as our work and the skill set that I teach <clears throat> that I call conscious communication is just a format to, to do our personal work and mm -hmm. and it helps us to do that but the personal work is is not easy um, knowing knowing that it's my stuff is very difficult especially and this is where the rubber meets the road is that the, it's our most closest relationships, our most intimate relationships, where this stuff comes up the most. In other words, it's your partner, it's your family, it's your close friend or business partner that can trigger you. They have the capacity to tip you over very quickly. And what Fred's suggesting is um, it's the reaction, the emotional charge is always about ourselves. And it's, it, 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 it's a question of how soon or how willing we are to recognize that um, and the example i just spoke about the the refrigerator with my wife it took me days and her making a very clear case to me um, before i could see it and then i could make the connection with other situations where and this is how i term it now in my relationship with her i put my values ahead of the relationship i've it, it, the reason it's hard to see that is that our values are so close they're like our skin they're like our they're like uh, you know the it's what we live in day in day out so the value of saving energy saving electricity never even occurred to me that it was a value it was just the right thing to do and when my wife stood in my way of doing that i i reacted in in a very childish manner i took it personally um, mm -hmm. And that's what you're saying, Fred, is I think what we can learn over time is that it's not personal. Um, and that, and the stretch here is, 
how can I still care about the environment? How can I still care about energy usage and allow, this is the, this is the thing I learned, allow other people to do it in their own way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. not, not make a religion out of it, not make it so sacred, something that's really important to me, but how can I make it not so sacred that I, I make it tight and constricted for other people? And that's essentially what the feedback I'm getting in, in my um, marriage these days is that I'm, I made it too tight, too constricting for her because I have such clear ideas of what I think is right and wrong. And, and most of those ideas, because I share a lot of those with you, are not in my consciousness. That's right. Yeah. And then something happens and triggers me, and I take a deep look and go, gee, did I really believe that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. You know, this is this was such a good one for me because the the thing that I was, you know, frozen on, I was paralyzed by. I wouldn't budge. I was willing to sacrifice my marriage for essentially was a refrigerator being turned on for for three extra days. In the scheme of things, not a big deal, but in my mind, it represented. Everything that I get that I get very discouraged and sad and upset about, which is the way we're treating the planet. In my mind, right. that was representative of it. Yeah, you built a whole structure on that. That's right. And you forgot what was really most important to you. Yeah, which is, yeah. you know, and and this is a great. The the last show Tony and I did was about how to how to take conflict resolution communication skills into political work. And, the, you know, the trick for all of us is to not get stuck thinking that our values have to apply to everybody else. Um, and it's really hard to do. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, there, you know, maybe there's a reason why there's different people with different perspectives on this planet mm. with us. Mm. Maybe it's not, maybe the goal is not that we conquer all and end up the king of the hill. Maybe there's something else to, to learn from this. Sure. But, Good point. Good point. And, and you know, what Fred's saying is that the, it, with values, it doesn't even appear like that. We don't, I, don't, I never thought of myself as trying to be right or dominate in, with my wife in that situation. I, I put the planet ahead of all of us. And I said, no, no, this isn't right or wrong. This is the planet. And that's where our values come, come up from behind us. And we don't realize that we have them until someone crosses them. And then we bring out the weapons. You know, we go ballistic. We act in a way um, that's not in keeping with how we would like to act. I, I, I didn't like what I did. I didn't like the person I was. I saw it finally and realized I don't want to be like that. Mm, good, uh, good for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and good for you, Fred, too. Thank you. I gotta hang up. Okay, okay thank, thank you, you, friend. The phone number here is 800-646-9437 if you would like to join us, and we would love to have you join us. We have another eight or nine minutes. Plenty of time for another question or two, another communication issue or two. So, you know, maybe just to simplify that example I just gave and, and what Fred talked about is that we, in order to practice collaboration, cooperation, sometimes I call it just conflict resolution, 
we really have to challenge the idea that there is something that's right or wrong. And that's really difficult for most of us. And, you know, and I think of myself as fairly flexible, except when it comes to certain issues like energy use or the environment. Um, so just consider that. Maybe we'll get more into that. Let's hear what this caller has to say. Oh, it's the same caller. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I hear when I hear you talking about this, Miles, yep. uh, we have solar panels, we have solar hot water, we have a small wind turbine. Uh, we take a different view, which is, oh, God, we're making extra power. Gee, isn't it wonderful to be able to be profligate since we're actually giving money back, giving power back to the grid. But what I also hear in your frame of reference is, as your wife is taking a different approach, is I think in that kind of circumstance, we often feel a little bit scared. Oh, this person I thought I was connected to, and we were on the same um, path and the same framework, they're expressing something that seems unfamiliar to me. Beautiful. And that we are able to just step back and go, what are the emotions I'm really feeling? Is it just that I care about the planet, or is I, am I also kind of feeling, oh, this isn't really what I thought was an agreement uh, in terms of, of how we function together, and now I'm feeling a little scared about what that really means. You, you just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what happened to me, is that we had talked about energy usage, and in the past she'd been really good about turning that fridge off as soon as we could. Um, and that's what happened is I thought, oh, I thought we were on the same page. I thought we had an understanding. And now there's no, it seems like there's no agreement here. And I felt very scared. Yeah. And so I think, I'm sure that comes up in other circumstances and relationships, whether it's a partner relationship or, or some other relationship. And it's, it's, I think it's very, very hard in the moment to just step back and breathe and go, what's really, what is really going on? What yeah. is really that emotion that I'm feeling? It's easy to make it something like, oh, I really, I really care about the planet yeah. or I really care about this in an organization or whatever it is yep. versus going, well, wait a minute, what? What is this really bringing up for me? Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to hang up again. Thank you. That is a very perceptive point, and I'm glad you made it. How, one of the things that helped me to get out of the the paralyzed place I was in, where I was seeing my wife as for a moment as the enemy, the person who didn't agree with me, and we didn't have a partnership around energy usage, is the people we were getting ready for was my mother and brother, people very close to me, but who live a very different lifestyle than I do. I left the lifestyle I grew up in to pursue something um, much less impactful on the planet. And I realized when I go visit my mother and brother who live in Connecticut, I don't judge them for their energy use. They use, you know, tons more electricity and oil and all sorts of energy than I do. And I've allowed for that because... I'm not try I'm not that close to them. I'm not f I'm not intimate with them in that way. I'm not try I mean once in a while I'll mention it and I'll but I don't I have a way of letting other people off the hook. But with my wife it be it was too close to home. It felt like I was suddenly alone. What what the last caller just mentioned was exactly what happened to me was I I felt betrayed. There was a sense that oh, I thought we had an understanding here. And fortunately, and to my wife's credit, she was able to get through to me with some reason. And the, and the reasoning was, she said, I do care about the environment. 
I think about when I go to town, I don't I don't just do one thing. I make a whole list of things so that I can minimize the use of the car, minimize the use of petroleum. She said, I think about it a lot. And she said, I thought about it when I turned on the refrigerator and I made a conscious choice that in this case, it was worth it to me. And she said, I want you to trust me. And that's where it, it she got, she reached me. You know, she reached my heart and I realized, of course she did. I would want that. You would want that. Anybody would want that. Hmm. This reminds me of, of my life. <laughs> In my last relationship, I remember being rather stringent about certain things like that with my girlfriend and I would I l- remember looking back and cringing at the way I would just lose my perspective mm-hmm. and one of our last encounters after we had split up and she came over to visit me and she was standing at the refrigerator you know she had opened up the door and she was standing there looking in you know leaving the refrigerator door open and talking to me and just standing there and I noticed this feeling inside of me like this tension of this need for control but I also another thing came up I looked at her I realized but I love her Mm. and so these two things were Uh. were briefly like wrestling against each other and Mm. then I relaxed Uh. I relaxed and I just just recognized and said to myself you know even if she leaves the door open and even if everything spoils in the refrigerator it doesn't mean anything compared to our love wow so it's really possible to gain perspective in these things but sometimes it can be so hard yeah and that has been i have a similar issue and it's a combination it's like when our control issues couple themselves with things that we consider to be of great value. Yeah. Let, let me, um, we're, I know we're right down to the wire in time, yep. but let me just finish with this comment on what you just said, Tonio. I was processing this refrigerator incident in, in my men's group, a great um, group of men who support each other in doing our work, our inner work, and I realized that it's my biggest value, my truest uh, intention is not for us to minimize our use of electricity. I like that idea and I'll always work toward that. But my biggest value is for us to learn how to love. We don't need to have a bunch of people on the planet who are just using little bits of electricity. We need to have a bunch of people on the planet who know how to love. And what I did was I sacrificed the love for the little bit of electricity and I realize in hindsight that's not what I want to do yes what a beautiful way to end (laughs) this wonderful (laughs) wonderful conversation I'm so so grateful for all the people who called in and I'm so delighted and grateful to have you on the show again Mm, thanks Tony this has been really delicious I feel so good about this yeah and we'll definitely have you back again we're going to do this on an ongoing basis sure And we really want all of you listening to think about difficult conversations as they rise in your life and prepare yourself. Really think about offering that to us and the rest of our listeners by calling in and sharing those difficult conversations because I think we all have a lot to learn from hearing about them 
and how we can better deal with these sure. situations. And you could also write them to Tonio so we could have them. Right, you can send them via email to tonio at together.net, tonio at together.net. And we love your phone calls. You've been listening to the Magical Mystery Tour. My guest has been Miles Schertz. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And reflect on your conversations and your values and the things that are most important in your life. And be well. Hmm. Find the ways that work best for you to get the most enjoyment out of your life. Hmm. So... Thank you again, Miles. Thank you. You're welcome.